Welcome to another episode of Bereans Podcast. Each week we share a message from the Bible and examine it to understand and learn to apply it to our lives. The hope is that through the wisdom of the scriptures, we will all be encouraged to make real life change and that the power of the gospel will transform our lives. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of the Berean Podcast that starts right now. My name is Lucas Nelson, and I serve as the Berean Kids Preteen Director. And I got to tell you, it is awesome. It is so much fun to work alongside this age group. Uh, they are just so hungry for the Word of God. They just want to know more about Him. And I personally find myself becoming so excited and encouraged by their enthusiasm for God's word. As they engage with the lesson, as they engage in their small groups, they just want to know everything they can. And so they ask questions as they try to learn more and more about their creator. And then I got to tell you, preteen for me was a pretty formative time in my life. My parents, uh, they got divorced when I was about eight years old. And it wasn't really until those preteen years where I started to really understand what that meant, where I really understood the impact of, of what that meant in my own life. And so those, that time for me, that preteen time, kind of that fourth and fifth grade and maybe into sixth grade a little bit, was a time of my life that was really formative. And I'm thankful to still have some friends today from that preteen era. In fact, one of them I talked to recently, his name is Steve. Steve is an incredibly ambitious guy. He's a, he's a go-getter, and uh, when he tried to be the best at something, oftentimes he became the best. I mean, he was just really good at what he did. And a few years back, I remember celebrating with Steve because we had gotten what we were calling our first adult jobs. Now, we had we'd graduated college. And uh, we both had some jobs we weren't super fond of right away. Uh, but Steve and I finally got our first real jobs. And so we're excited about this. We're, we're sharing about it. And Steve, being the guy he is, being ambitious, being the go-getter he is, it does not take very long for his superiors to realize, this guy's he's good. And so it's not even a full year that goes by before they offer him a promotion. And of course... Being like he is, he jumps into it. He's a little nervous, knows it's going to be a little bit more responsibility, a little more work, but that doesn't stop him. He jumps into it all the more. What he didn't realize, though, is that there's a little more than meets the eye to this situation. And all of a sudden, he's got a lot more on his plate than he realized. He's working long, 
long days, 12, 14 plus hour days, and not just once in a while, but consistently working that long. His superiors, though, they think he's doing a great job. They don't necessarily see all the extra hours, and so they think he's just doing fantastic. And so what do they do? They give him a little bit more. He's doing well already. Why can't he handle a little more? And so his plate begins to grow as his responsibilities grow with more and more. Steve takes it in stride. I can do this. I can manage this. This is no problem. I can continue to do this. It's fine. Until one day when it seems to catch up with him. And he starts getting sick more frequently than he ever has before. He can't sleep through the night anymore because he's so concerned, so stressed about the projects that are coming. He's getting irritable with those people that are around him. And so we, some friends and family, we come to his side and say, Steve, you can't do this anymore. You, ha- you have to start saying no to some of this stuff. Maybe, maybe you need to step out of this position. But Steve, he goes, no, 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 no. I can do this. I can, ma- I, this is fine. This isn't a big deal. I can do this on my own. Don't worry about me. It's not a big deal. I can do this. And so he continues to try to push through all of this through his own strength. And a couple more weeks go by. And all of a sudden, Steve can't get out of bed. He's just done. Emotionally, physically, mentally exhausted. He's got nothing left in the tank. And it is in this moment that he realizes he needs to ask for help. And I think about this story, and I think, how often do we do something similar? Whether it's working those long days, whether it's just holding on to that burden, that hardship. We refuse to let it go, and we just try to push through it all with our own strength. We don't ask for help because we don't want to be a burden. And so we just try to get through it all on our own. Well, today we're going to look at a story. We're going to look at a king, Joash. And Joash is in a moment where he realizes that it is not how hard he tries, but it's how much he trusts in God to see him through the victories in life. Today, what I want to offer you is two ways to find victory in uncertain times. Think about those things that are holding you back, that you've been holding on to, that are preventing you from stepping into the plans that God has for you. What is it that you need to let go of today? Will you think about that as we go to him in prayer? Good and gracious God, I thank you for this morning. Father, we come before you to worship and praise and honor your name. And this morning, I pray that you would help us to see what it is that we need to let go of. Would you help us see what we need to release to step into your plans? God, those plans that you have for us, those good and perfect plans.
Father, be with us this morning as we engage with your word. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So this morning, we are going to be in 2 Kings chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, and you should, yes, that's where all the preteens know, and you should have them. You're going to want to open them up to 2 Kings chapter 13 this morning. As you do that, I want to uh, give you just a brief glimpse at where we are in history this morning. So Israel is ruled by this king, Joash, and Israel is at odds with Syria. And they have been for some time. They've been in and out of these battles, going back and forth. And Elisha, the prophet of God, as we're going to find out shortly, is about to die. And this is an issue because there's no clear successor for him when he dies. And so the king, Joash, he's a little bit afraid, a little bit nervous. Because if Elisha isn't there, will God still be there with them? And that is where we step in to history this morning. So 2 Kings chapter 13, I'm going to invite all who are able to stand with me as we read God's word this morning. 2 Kings 13, beginning in verse 14. Now when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, Draw the bow. And he drew it. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands, and he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. For you shall fight the Syrians in Ephek until you have made an end of them. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. So Elisha died. And they buried him. You can have a seat. (laughs) I like to include that first part of verse 20 because it lets us know that this is the last thing that Elisha does while he's alive. That's why I include that in in there, to let us know that this is it. This is the last thing he does, which to me makes this story all the more peculiar. It is just an interesting story. It's just kind of strange. Have you ever started a story and realized that you might actually be in the middle of that story? My wife does this to me from time to time, where we might be relaxing after a hard day of work, and out of the silence, she'll look at me and she'll go, and then this and this and this happened. What? I don't, what? There was no before then. I don't know what and then it means. And she'll look at me and she'll go, I'm sorry, I just, we've been married long enough. I feel like you should be able to read my mind by now. (laughs) And I'm like, I I don't know. I don't know what was before then. This story doesn't make sense. Well, it's not too dissimilar from where we find ourselves this morning. Because it's easy to look at those first couple of verses and go, oh, wow, the king. He's actually sad that Elisha is going to die. He's actually mourning the loss of Elisha. 
But there's this phrase that he says that just stands out as, as seeming unnatural to me. It, he says, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And this just strikes me as such an odd thing to say in this moment. Until we do a little bit of digging and realize the king, he's, he's not actually the first one to have said this phrase. In fact, it was Elisha who first said these words. When Elijah, his mentor, is taken up into heaven via whirlwind, which, by the way, is how I'd like to go. How did he go? He was whirlwinded. It was awesome. <laughs> Elisha sees this happen. And in 2 Kings 2, verse 12, it says, As Elisha watched this happen, he cries out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. As he watches his mentor, Elijah, taken up into heaven. And what we need to see here is that Elisha, when he says this about Elijah, is recognizing the power of God. And so when we fast forward to where we are in scripture this morning, knowing that, we have to look beyond and we have to see that the king here, he's not actually mourning the loss of Elisha. He's mourning the loss of power. Specifically, God's power. And so Elisha notices this. He sees this take place. He sees that the king is nervous. And so he walks him through this kind of interesting series of commands in verses 15 through 17, where it says, Elisha said to him, take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow. And he drew it. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. So I'm a visual processor. So if you'd humor me for the next couple of moments, I'd love for you to just think about this story as it takes place visually. Because it is strange. The easy part, grab the bow and arrows. Yep, no problem. I got this. That's the shoot. Yep, I can visualize all of that. No problem. But Elijah, he gets up to place his hands on the king's hands. And I think about this and I'm like, surely the king doesn't need help in this moment. Like, he's physically capable to do this. But where I really get hung up is thinking, like, Elisha, he was on his deathbed. And he gets up to place his hands on the king's hands. Why? Why, Elisha? Why get up? Why go through this trouble? What strength could he possibly have left to offer the king? But see, in this moment, as Elisha does this, what he's trying to get the king to understand is that he needs to rely on God's power for the victory to come. See, victory, victory comes when we rely on his strength. And Elijah, as he places his hands on the king's hands, is trying to relay this message, saying, Joash, it's never been about my strength. It's never been about your strength, Joash. It has always been about God's strength. Victory comes 
when we rely on his strength. That's the message Elisha relays as he puts his hands on the king's hands. Getting Joash to rely on God for that guidance, for that strength that he needs. I recently watched a documentary called The Free Burma Rangers. Uh, It's incredible. It is a moving, powerful documentary. And if you watch it, you may want to have some tissues on standby. Uh, it It is absolutely powerful. Um, this is a group of missionaries, the Free Burma Rangers, who uh, primarily operate out of Myanmar now. Um, but recently, and, and in this documentary, a lot of it takes place in Iraq. And this group of missionaries seeks to go into the middle of battlefields to just try to save as many people as they can. And it is incredible to watch them go through this process. Dave, at one point, he says, go to the sound of guns. Dave is the leader of this group. He says, go to the sound of guns. Go to the sound of need and trust God to show you how to help. The level of faith and trust that this group has is incredible. They have a little bit of military background experience, but there's no way They can truly be prepared for everything they're going to experience, for all the tragedies that they'll experience. And so before they ever stepped foot on this journey, as we watched them go into the middle of gunfire, going back and forth to save as many people as they can, they knew that if they were going to have any success, if they were going to have any victories, They had to rely on God for all of it. They had to rely on his strength. Towards the end of this documentary, Dave says this one line that really stuck with me. He says, surrendering? Surrendering is saying yes. Saying yes to all the good things that God has in store for you. That is the message that Elisha tries to get across here. As he places his hands on the king's hands, he is saying, surrender to his strength. Rely on him, Joash. Because he is the one who provides the victory. Not me, not you, but him. So let's get practical for just a second. How does this apply to our own lives? Well, I think about how hard we we work, we toil over these projects in our lives before we ever let anybody else in, before we ever let even God in. We say, no, 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 God, I got this. I can, you don't need to worry about this one. I can do this through my own strength. Don't worry, God. I'm capable of this. How many times... Like Steve, have we worked those extra hours and we thought, you know, today is fine. If I push off family a little bit, if I push off God a little bit here, it's fine. I'm just going to work a couple extra hours today. But today turns into weeks and months. And yet, instead of going to him, we continue to try to push through using our own strength. How many times do we wake up early to get the entire house clean before company comes 
because we think if the house is clean, then everybody coming over won't recognize how much of a mess I am because the house is clean. How many times do we reach for that extra cup of coffee? And we say, if I just, one more cup of coffee, if I have that, no one's going to realize how exhausted I really am, how tired I really am, how much I just want to be done. We reach for these things instead of reaching for him. We know that we should go to him. We know that we should pray. We know that we should seek God. And yet our default, our default is to reach for the things of this world and hope that we have the strength alone to push through, to push through those burdens that are weighing us down. The king here, Joash, I'm sure he thought, Elisha, I got this. You do not need to get up. I am physically capable of this act. But that wasn't the message. The message was rely on him. Your strength will never be enough, Joash. And I get it, you're uncertain about what's going to happen without me here. But even in the uncertain times, God provides victory. And when the king actually listens, when he relies on God and this process, he experiences victory, right? Verse 17 says, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. I got to imagine right now, king's probably feeling pretty good about himself, pretty good about the situation that's going on. Unfortunately, the instructions aren't quite over for the king. And so verses 18 and 19 say this, and he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. Now, I got to tell you, when I first read through this story, I had a little bit of sympathy, a little bit of empathy for the king. Because how is he supposed to know? I mean, three, three seemed pretty reasonable to me. And I got to think that the king even thought, this is pretty, pretty good. Elijah, you said strike the ground, right? Guess what? I didn't do it just once. No, 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 no. Three times, Elisha. I struck three times. What do you think about that? But then verse 19 says, and the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then, then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. And I read this and I'm like, I don't think it's fair. How, why five or six What's the significance of five or six? Elijah, if you would have said, strike the ground five or six times, I would have happily done it. I would have struck the ground five or six times. No problem. But that's not what Elijah's trying to say here. It doesn't matter how many times the king struck the ground. It's that he stopped. It's that he stopped. See, victory, victory comes when we don't hold anything back. We don't quit. We don't give up. We don't stop short. We don't hold anything back. But how often 
do we let fear, worry, shame, regret hold us back from stepping into the plans that God has for us? I wonder how many victories are lost before the battle's ever begun. I wonder how much more good God desires to bring into this world, but is thwarted by our own lack of ambition. I wonder how many times in my own life I thought I failed, but really the only thing that happened was that I quit. What is it about us that stops before we're finished, that mistakes quitting for failure, that settles for less? I, I see too much of myself in this story. I can identify too many times where I've prayed too little, where I've expected too little, where I've done too little. Have you become the kind of person who's always looking for the least you can do, trying to do only what is required? Or have you become the kind of person who's given up not only on life, but also on yourself? When you come to the end of your life, are you going to be able to say, I gave everything, everything I had? Or will you get there and have a hollow feeling inside of your soul that you quit too soon, that you expected too little, that you didn't strike the ground one more time. I think a lot of us, we hear that command from God to pick up the arrows, to drop back, to shoot. But much like the king, we never hear, stop striking the ground. We simply stop before we're finished. We stop before God is finished. You and I, we have to be willing to strike the ground one more time. To let go of those things that are holding us back, that are keeping us from moving forward. We have to be willing to let it all go. But I know what you're thinking because I think it too. That's hard. Sometimes it's hard to let go of these things we've held on to because we, we, we keep them because it makes life seem a little bit easier. Because it makes us feel comfortable to hold on to it. Because it makes us feel safe. Because we can keep everybody at arm's distance. And so we just hold on to these things that, that hinder us, that hold us back. And what we don't realize is that that we would just be willing to let them go, if we would just be willing to release them, that there is no telling how much good God can bring through our lives. Because even in the uncertainty of letting it go, God provides victory. And look, I, I don't know what it is for you today that you're holding on to. Is it anger? You've been holding on to a grudge. You thought you won that argument all those years ago. And maybe today it's anger that you need to let go of. Maybe it's regret. You had a chance to step into something, but you let fear hold you back. And you haven't taken another step forward since. And regret has held you back. Is it forgiveness? Maybe you need to forgive somebody Today And look, I'm not up here this morning to say, just start letting it all go. Just any direction you want. 
No, that's careless. That's reckless. What I'm here to do this morning is to simply ask you to take inventory. Ask God, what do I need to let go of today? What is keeping me from fully being in your presence, from stepping into your plans? Where do you need to trust him more today? Maybe that's it for you. Maybe you've been holding on to a lack of trust. And so you haven't trusted him. You haven't stepped into that relationship fully with him yet. And today, maybe that's what you need to do. You've been held back through this lack of trust. And today, if you just trust in him, he will show you the victories he has in store for you. Joash? Joash, he stopped short. He stopped short of complete victory. If he would have just kept striking the ground, he would have had it. It's no different for you and I. We have to be willing to strike the ground one more time, to let go of what we're holding on to. Jesus? Jesus did this. He lived the perfect life. He's led the example for us. He never stopped striking the ground. And he was willing to let it all go. And in the moment where it looked like maybe he had struck the ground for the last time, as they put him on that cross, as he paid the price for our sins, and it looked like maybe he struck the ground for the last time, as they buried him in that tomb. Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm just getting started. And three days later, he rose again, proving sin and death had been defeated. Proving that there was nothing in this world that was going to keep him from striking the ground again and again and again and again and again. Jesus, Jesus doesn't stop moving in our lives. Sometimes we just stop moving into his plans. We have that thing, that burden, that hardship that's holding us back, that's keeping us from stepping into his plans because we're concerned about where the victory is going to come from. And so we just stop. We stop short. But Jesus, he shows us there is no limit. There is no limit to the good that God can do through our lives when we're just willing to let go. He is in control of every victory. It's not through our strength, but it is through his. And so we have to be willing to strike the ground again. We have to be willing to let go of what it is we're holding on to. But I hear you because sometimes we feel caught in this loop. We feel like I've I've let it go. I've tried to let it go, but it keeps coming back. I have struck the ground enough. And so we ask God, where are you? Where are you in this? But God is right there next to you today. Saying, just keep going. I know this is hard. I know that you feel like you have tried to let it go. I know that you feel like you've struck the ground a hundred times. But don't give up now. Be willing to strike one more time. Just trust in him. You can feel like you've let go of everything that you have. You can feel like you've struck the ground a million times, feel like you're completely out of 
all the energy. But I promise you that God will sustain you. Keep striking. Keep moving forward. Know that his hands are always on yours, guiding you every step of the way. Those same hands with the holes from where the nails were are reaching out for yours today, ready to provide exactly what you need. Is it strength? Is it courage? Is it peace? Jesus, he is right with you today, hand in hand, eagerly waiting for you to strike the ground one more time, waiting for you to let go of that thing that's been holding you back to step into his plans, waiting for you to rely on his strength, even in the uncertainty of it all, so that he can provide victory. Will you pray with me this morning? Good and gracious God, Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I want to lift up anybody in this room who just feels like they are weighed down by the weight of this world who feels like they can't let go of that burden, they can't let go of this hardship, that they have to take it on their own. God, I pray that they would know you're with them today. God, you are bigger than anything. Any fear, worry, regret, shame, you're bigger than it all. And God, I pray that you would break those chains today for anybody in this room who just needs to let something go, to let it off of their shoulders. God, let us invite you in to the struggles. Let us invite you into the hardships. Let us be willing to let it go and know that through it all, you'll provide the victories. God, we thank you for all that you bless us with. This morning, let us go forward relying on your strength, relying on your strength to get us through. Not ours, God, but yours. Father, it's in your name we pray. Amen. And that does it for this episode of the Berean Podcast. All of our ministries at Berean are geared towards the mission of seeing lives transformed by the power of the gospel. If you would like to be connected with our church family or give to the mission of Berean, just jump online to our website at bereanmn.com. Thanks for listening today, and we pray that you are encouraged by today's episode. Be sure to like us on social media, and we'll see you here next time on the Berean Podcast.